Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey is always top shelf. Whether you got your start as a dynasty veteran, a Millbury survivor, or you were born into the Church of Trots, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, here are your eclectic hosts, Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Tuesday, June 29th, 2021. Coming at you live from the Hockey Night New York studios on Long Island. Another big show coming up for you tonight. Arthur Staple of The Athletic will be joining us to talk about the unfortunate early end to the New York Islanders 2021 campaign. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me, as always, is this fellow right here, <laughs> Mr. Christian Arnold. There we go. Christian, how are you? I'm fine. I'm more concerned about how you're doing. Are that, you okay? That's fair. Are you all right? That's fair. I didn't I didn't reach out to you after the game, but uh, I was thinking <laughs> about you. Because you're heartless. Oh, well, you were oh, thinking. I was working. So, uh, all right. You know. Well, I guess that's fair. Um, how am I doing? Well, I mean, it's been a few days now, so I'm feeling a bit better. But I got to be honest with you, man. This one stings. It's things more than it did last year. Last year was more like, hey, this is the stepping stone. You know, they got to the conference final. Next year, you know, you hope you get into the to the, to the cup, obviously, and they get one game further. And we're going to talk all about what went wrong and right. what happened and everything, but let's just say that it was definitely a heartbreaker, and I'm pretty sure I speak for a lot of you guys out there in Islander country where uh, it still hurts, man. It still hurts. Oh. But life goes on. Yes. We're going to be fine. It's beautiful. Sun's out. It's, it's beautiful summer. out. Yeah. Get to enjoy the nice weather now. Yeah. All is not lost. Yeah. All is not lost. So, you know, we'll, we're going to get through this together. Islander country. There's a lot of interesting stuff coming up this summer. Lou Lamarillo is going to be a very busy man. Oh, for sure. But uh, yeah, we got to... We got to get into the sponsors real quick before we keep going. So, folks, I want to remind you all that we are proud to be sponsored by Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Make sure you head on over for great food, great people, and great service. Check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com. We're also happy to be sponsored by Thai Technology, a voiceover IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. If you're tired of dealing with long hold times and the impersonal service of companies like Spectrum, Optimum, and Verizon, give Thai Technology a call at 516-856-7800 for three free months of service. And we are happy to be sponsored by Manscaped, the men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for everywhere you want to get rid of hair. Manscaped. Just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer 20% off and free worldwide shipping with promo code HockeyNightNY at manscaped.com. So we all know what happened. The Isles just fell short. Cup finals once again. Yes. I'm repeating myself because it's in the script. Good. <laughs> I'm glad we're sticking to the script. This time, only one went away, one goal away, one giant-ass mistake away. <laughs> what do you say? Are you doing okay? Are you actually CA. doing okay? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think so. We're going to get through this. It's just an hour. We're going to make it. It's going to be fine. I mean, that was, I think, the most horrifically fitting way for that season for the season to end, if that's the way it was going to happen. Horrifically poetic, fitting. Poetic, if you will, Ugh. because of the way the Islanders' power play has played this entire year. And granted, oh, they haven't we'll given up there. a shorty. Right, we'll start They there. haven't given up a shorty all year, <laughs> but um, the way the power play has played has been, at times, really good. You saw it really <laughs> yes. good during the, during the second round against Boston. and then Or maybe just prior to how that power play ended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's looking right. pretty good. Well, that was the other thing too. I, I mean, I tweeted it out, and I think I wrote it in my stories following the game. That yeah. the the ironic thing about the all of it was that the power play was generating opportunities, and then it was that that mistake where you see three guys converge into the corner, and there's no one out. And I understand. And look, that's a bad mistake. No, no question about it. Uh, you leave a guy open, and and I know you saw some people tweet out about the alleged too many men on the change yeah, there, which I, I saw don't the think that's. The I case. Saw the photo. And, um, I'd have to rewatch in context, but I didn't think much of it. Yeah, you know, at the either. time. So I, I don't think we can really rest on that. And no, say, no, oh, I they just, got screwed again. I know people had put it out there, so I, I yeah, think yeah. It'd be, it wouldn't be. It would be. We wouldn't be doing our jobs if we didn't at least mention that. Yeah, that was, absolutely. That that was out there. I don't think it was the case. I think that in that moment, the screenshot or whatever the case may be, I, I think just caught it in a in a spot where it looks like it's possibly too many men on the ice, but yeah. it's in, right in the middle of a change and everything. So, mm -hmm. but regardless of that, 
The Islanders make a crucial error in three guys converging into the corner there, giving the Tampa Bay Lightning the opportunity to change, and you have uh, Yanni Gord come out undetected, basically, and he has all the time in the world to shoot, and that's not a position you want to put yourselves in, even even, sure, even when you're up it's, a man against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, not only is this team not known for making stupid mistakes like that, but they're up a man. Right? So that would have been a bad mistake when, if it was even strength. Right. But they're on the power play. They already have an extra gentleman on the ice. <laughs> so they did not need three guys converging on right. this one right. guy on the boards. I mean, you had, what was it, Letty was a defenseman back playing I the I believe puck? so, yeah. And then you have Bailey coming in the boards. But, like, pick and choose, whether it's Palmieri or Bailey, one of those guys has to, stay has to hang back. Yeah. Can't do that. And, and, and Palmieri kind of drifted off. But it was way too late. He was left in no man's land between Varlamov and the guys on the boards. Right. I think Palmieri, and too, was the last guy to make the move towards the towards the corner as well. I think Bailey and Letty were the first yeah. two to converge into the corner. And, and then Palmieri, which is an interesting situation, because Palmieri, obviously, he's been, you know, Bailey's a veteran, too. But Palmieri is looked at as the, the veteran guy with experience who's supposed to be able to play in his own end responsibly. That kind of is counterintuitive to what you should be doing in that position if you know the, the circumstances going on. You know, right. and you know Tampa's going to try and take advantage of that. It's easy to, to be looking at it from behind the camera and seeing it unfold and be like, what the hell are these guys doing? The only thing I can think of is that they were like, well, we are up a man. They're not going to come you know, hard on, you know, on this. You know, They're just trying to get the puck deep. They didn't realize that Gord was coming off the bench, and they figured they could cheat. And right. they could just get the puck away as quickly as possible so they can head back down the ice for another chance in the power play. I, I have to assume that's where the mindset was. Obviously, it was the absolute incorrect one to have. And somebody just should have played it safe. Just, just hover and cover that, that area in the slot. And then you're good. So even if the, that pass makes it to Gord, which, of course, goes through Bailey's legs. Yeah. I mean, it was a great pass. He just happened to be able to get it to him right in the perfect <laughs> spot as he's streaking in. And it was a great shot. And it's just... It's just, that's the killer for me, is that that is, is how they lost this game and ultimately a chance at a, a taste at the cup on, on such a, a poor mistake, such a bad goal. Like, if it had been, like, your typical Kucherov, beautiful setup right, to right, point, right. you know, a goal, you're just like, well, that was going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, you, you say, oh, I respect that, that's fine. But to go down on such, a, such an mistake. awful mistake yeah. is just, that's going to sit with me for a long time. Oh, I can tell. Yeah, I can tell. And, yeah. and uh, you know, it's it's frustrating. I think you could tell after the game it was frustrating too for the for the guys on the ice. They knew they made a mistake. Oh they knew, yeah, they knew that. Uh, you, you look at the response and the reaction to the after, to to the game and the loss after every everything was said and done, and you know those guys realized what a big moment they had, had an opportunity they had missed there because of the circumstances, because of the fact that there's a chance that this core is not going to be together next year. You know, Casey yeah. Zekas, there's a real chance he's not going to be here. Um, you know, there's a real chance Jordan Eberle, Josh Bailey, or Nick Letty are not here because of the expansion draft. So these are core guys who have been cornerstones for the franchise for the last couple of years especially, but they've been here through a lot of good and a lot of bad times, and they everyone knows that this is uh, that was their best opportunity, it seems like, although they're confident they're going to get back there next year. Yeah, I, I finally got around to watching those uh, post-game interviews and the exit interview. It took me like a day or two. Like, I couldn't even... It like, was rough to watch. I couldn't touch it. It was rough. You could and, tell Matthew Barzal was really upset, and it was he wasn't upset because he wasn't there. He was upset because a guy like Josh Bailey is yeah, going to get to the cup and final. and you love to hear that. You know, you love to hear that these guys were so supportive of one another and had so much love in that locker room for each other where you really get a taste of a sense of, you know, just how tight-knit that group yeah. was. And, and you know, throughout the years, you hear them say that. This is a special group. This is a tight-knit group, you know. There's something really special about this locker room. I mean, you look at the answers that Andy Green and Palmieri gave in there. And I mean, immediately, yeah, I want back. If yeah. there's a way, I want back in. Like, it just go and, and these are guys who haven't been here for that long. So it, it's just such a testament to the culture that, that has been created you know, within that team. And not to say it, it didn't exist before Lamarillo and Trotz there because a lot of these character guys were there already, like Martin and Bailey and stuff like that. But to have them all come together now mm. under this, you know, roof of Lamarillo and Trotz and, and, and you heard some guys like Clutterbuck and Martin talk about the way they carry themselves, you know, has had a lot to do with, with you know, their success and also mm -hmm. their cohesiveness right. as a unit. So, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to see. I mean, you know, it, and that's the sort of thing that's going to help teams take the next step, even if, it's, even if this year was a baby step, you know, and you hope that they can keep as much of these guys together 
for next season so they can get back there again. But, you know, we're going to talk about all that stuff. I don't, I don't even think that. I mean, in fairness, I don't necessarily know if it's it's because of Lamorello and Trotz. I think they've they've kind of fostered that that family atmosphere that's that's existed with the Islanders. Yeah. And credit, in, in fairness, credit where credit's due, Garth Snow was, was a similar way. It was about character as much as it was about the, yeah. the you know, the right. skill on the ice. But mm-hmm. I think where that, that camaraderie comes from, again, is the, the tightness that the group has from going through a lot of these ups and downs and craziness with this organization before Lou Lamorello, before John Ledecky and Scott Malkin, before Barry Trotz, you know, kind of going through the, the Charles Wong, the, the Jack Capuano years, the, the, you know, the Doug right coming down from the bottom and then coming back up. These guys have been through hell and back, so to speak there in, in hockey terms, obviously not to be a little too dramatic, (laughs) but you know, they've, they've, They've been through a lot, especially guys like Josh Bailey and, and Matt Martin and, and Casey Zizekas. They, they've been here for more than their fair share of craziness off the ice as well as on the ice. Yeah, it's true, and it's all culminated in 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 you know these these last few years, which have been. I mean, just from a fan's perspective, it's been just tremendous to watch, especially you know because of all those all those rough years that everybody you know you know knows all too well. And yeah, to come up short again, it's it's a really tough pill to swallow. You know, it's going to take some time for a lot of people, especially the players, to get that close. I mean, I mean that's the thing. You think about how you feel as a fan, but the players to actually be there out in the ice to get that close, to almost have that shot of glory, and to just fall short. I mean, it's I mean, it's got to eat at them for a long time. But hopefully, they come back hungry again. You, you know, you could tell it, it sat with them. It sat with them even even a couple days afterwards when they were going through those oh, yeah. ex- exit interviews. Big time. Um, you know, the, the emotions were still kind of there and it's still a little bit raw. And obviously the focus now is on what's going to happen in the offseason between Casey Zekas and the Islanders, between the RFA situations, Beauvillier with Poole, uh, with Pellick, excuse me, Michael Del Cole, Ilya Sorokin, they all need new contracts. Plus, is there any chance the Islanders can fix the power play? Is there anyone they can bring in through, through free agency other than yeah. just putting Oliver Wallstrom, who has been the topic of conversation in the chat since the show started, so... Well, you know what? There's going to be some force change in personnel, and maybe that's part of what it'll take to get that power play going. You know, maybe you don't have those same old faces in there. Maybe that makes a little bit of a difference. But right, but Kyle Palmieri came, and he was not he was in the same old face. And, okay. And the power play was still somewhat sluggish. It well, was maybe still it changes kind of caught in its own, uh, its own decision to try and make the perfect play. And it, and it just seems like that, that hasn't changed regardless of who's coaching the power play, who's behind the bench as the head coach, or the personnel that have been on the ice. The power play is still having a rough go. We are, we are in agreement there, for sure. <laughs> okay. And with that, folks, we're going to take a break. We want to thank you so much for tuning in to twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY. When we come back on the other side, Arthur Staple from The Athletic will be joining us. Customer service is the backbone of any great business, and reliable telecommunication is essential to keeping your client base happy. Introducing Thai Technology, a low-cost, flexible internet phone service founded on the idea that every customer deserves exceptional service while providing simple setup and management and easy integration to clients across the country. Thai Technology will not only create a custom solution tailored to your specific needs, but will partner with you to provide a competitive edge to you and your clients. And if you need support, you won't be routed to an automated call center in another other country, you'll get a live representative that had a personal hand in building your account. So Islander fans, if your business is looking for a change from companies like Spectrum, Verizon, or Optimum, Thai Technology is offering three free months of service for any of its affordable packages. Just call 516-856-7800, that's 516-856-7800, or visit them on the web at thaitechnology.com, that's Thai, T-I-E, technology.com. Thai Technology, the right choice for your internet phone service. The only thing better than a Great Long Island Deli is a Great Long Island Deli run by diehard Islander fans. Blue Line Deli and Bagels located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington will make any Islander fan feel right at home with its familiar blue and orange theme and Isles decor. Blue Line Deli and Bagels proudly serves Bagel Boss Bagels along with breakfast favorites, hockey-themed heroes, quesadillas, salads, fresh-made smoothies, and much more. So stop on in for delicious food, a clean atmosphere, and a happy staff ready to greet you with friendly service no matter what team you support. Want to place an order for pickup? Call 631-944-3222 or visit bluelinedeli.com to check out the menu and order online. Blue Line Deli and Bagels, where the great selections will have you saying, yes, yes, yes.
Hope you enjoyed the ads. Now let's get back to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Well, when you have such great ads like that, it's hard not to enjoy them, Mr. Announcer Man. <laughs> Welcome back to Hockey Night in New York. Christian Arnold with me. With me is Sean Cuthbert, as always. And, of course, it's that time of the show where we bring in a guest, friend of the show, on the line, brought to you by our friends over at Thai Technology. And with us on the line is Arthur Staple of The Athletic. Arthur, thank you so much for the time. How's it going? I'm doing all right, guys. How are you? Surviving? <laughs> I'm doing better than Sean. He's... <laughs> He's been a mess the last couple of days. But a mess is strong. It's, he's strong. been a mess. But plenty to talk about, Arthur. And obviously, this, to start with the Game 7 loss for the New York Islanders, uh, a, t- a tough way to to end the season there. And when you look back at that moment, Arthur, I, I kind of called it poetic in a way that the Islanders season would end on a, a mistake during the power play. How did you kind of view that whole uh, situation playing out there with the with the Islanders giving up that shorthanded goal, which ended up being the, the, the game winner for Tampa Bay. You know, it's, I just felt like that game, especially after the first period, it was going to be one little mistake or one breakdown either way. And that was really going to be the thing that decided it. You know, I, I feel like for the Islanders, I think part of the reason why they were so gutted at the end of it, is they were able to overcome things like that time and time again this postseason. You know, it, it had a different feel than than the 2020 playoff run. They were, you know, those first three rounds that they played last year in the bubble. They were pretty they were pretty dominant uh, against Florida and Washington, and for a lot of the series against Philly, even though it went to seven. So I feel like this run was a little different. They were they were kind of showing their identity a little bit more, rallying down going into the third a couple of times, staving off, uh, you know total onslaughts in, in game five against Pittsburgh and then game five against Boston. And then, you know, uphill battle against Tampa just because of who they are. Um, so I think they all felt like, okay, we, you know, we had one breakdown. It's one nothing, but we're going to come back. We're going to get this tying goal. We're going to get it to overtime or we're going to win it. And who who could doubt them the way that they had played just two nights before at the Coliseum when they looked like they could have been dead at two nothing down. So um I think that kind of added to how how worn, how spent, how emotional everybody was afterwards. I think that was probably, you know, it, it doesn't seem surprising academically, but when you see, you know, Josh Bailey just sort of staring off in the distance, uh, that's as sad as I've ever seen him. And Matthew Barzal in tears talking about his veteran teammates. Uh, you know, it, it was it was emotional to watch and uh, and a little bit stunning because this team has uh, has kind of held it together and been really stoic and kind of worked on the task at hand through two seasons you know one postseason and one full season through the pandemic and did what they had to do and not really betrayed much emotion and it was um you know it was it was hard to watch and i think they really felt like they were going to pull it off and and they were the ones that believed all the way along when a lot of other people didn't yeah for sure arthur it definitely gave a window into just uh you know, how much these guys care about each other and how much they play for each other out there. And, you know, you look at, you know, a breakdown like this and, and having the game slip away like that in the fashion that it did. And, of course, there's a lot of hindsight. There's a lot of talking about, you know, what what the coaching staff could have been done differently, who they could have put in. Obviously, Oliver Wallstrom's name has come up a lot in the fan base. And, you know, Barry Trotz addressed that in, in this post game, or at least in his uh, exit interview, talking about, you know, def- basically defending why he made the decisions he did. And, and you know, when you look back on this, you know, do you think he he made the right call sticking with his veteran, sticking with a guy like Zajac in there, maybe holding Palmieri back off the f- first line a little more than people would have wanted? Or, you know, would you have liked to seen Wally get in there to maybe try to add some scoring punch, especially after seeing the power play the way it went? Yeah, you know, to me, it's not even what he could do offensively. And obviously on the power play, you know, you do love to have him. Although, you know, when he was in against Pittsburgh, the book is out on Oliver Wallstrom. He loves to shoot. Um, you know, they were really shading him kind of the way you see team shade Alex Ovechkin when he's on. I mean, it, Wallstrom is not an Ovechkin's class in the power play, but that was how Pittsburgh was treating him on the power play. So I think, yeah. you know, the, the Islanders needed to draw up a little bit of a different game plan if he'd come back in. I think it's just more the, you know, the fresh legs. I, I You know, I think it, it's hard to it's hard to say there's any failings for this general manager and coach tandem because they've done so much good in the last three years and really turned around this organization in a, in a drastic way, but they do have the guys that they trust and they tend to elevate those over the guys that they're a little bit more unsure about. And, um, you know, once Travis Ajak got in and Travis Ajak did play really well 
Again, in game six, the game that he got against Pittsburgh, he played very well against Boston. But I think once Jean-Gabriel Pajot's injuries started to kind of overtake him, which looked like early in the Tampa series where Pajot just wasn't the same guy he'd been for two rounds, I think the caution kind of took over for the coaching staff. And they said, we need a guy like Zajac in there to be responsible, to kind of fill in the gaps if Pajot can't physically track guys down, if he can't be the the low guy in the D zone. Um so I think they were more reluctant to make changes. And, uh, you know, ultimately, did it cost them? I'm not sure. I think, as Barry kind of pointed out, if they win that game one nothing on a mistake by Tampa in Game 7 and they're playing in the Stanley Cup Finals, maybe people aren't asking those questions. Absolutely. And it's a valid point. It's it's something that, you know, and I think Lou Lamarillo echoed it today, that uh, you, can, you can lose when you play well enough to win, and you can win when you're not playing well enough, when you when you probably deserve to lose, even in the playoffs, and so you can't really let that change your thinking. Um, and I think maybe if Barry's guilty of anything, it's allowing their success through a lot of the playoffs to to alter his thinking. Where when the playoffs started, it was not even a question that Oliver Wallstrom was in there, and I thought Wallstrom didn't just have an effect against Pittsburgh. He he was doing the job. He was playing alongside John Gabriel Pacho when they were out against Sidney Crosby's line. They did fine against them. I mean, Crosby's line dominated possession, but Wallstrom didn't get panicky in his own end. He's, he's clearly a very smart player. Um, so I think maybe you just get a little bit guilty of, of drifting away with, with your veteran guys. And, that, and I thought, really, Zajac just didn't give them enough in that series, and maybe he was trying to think too defensively because that line didn't have any push because of Pajot's injuries. Um, you know, I, it, it's tough. It, you know, you're not in the room. You can't really get a temperature, of, a, a feel for things these days with uh, with the COVID protocols and Zooms and yeah. things like that. So it's it's a little harder to get a read on it, what's going on behind the scenes. But, um, but I do know that Wallstrom was healthy all the way through the Tampa series. And maybe if you'd stuck him in there, uh, you know, maybe in game six or even a little bit earlier, maybe he makes a difference. Maybe he makes a mistake that leads to a call. I, you know, I don't know. It's it's right. second guessing a situation where you lose by one puck in a game seven is is hard to do. We're talking with Arthur Arthur Staple from the Athletic Online, brought to you by our friends over at Tide Technology. Arthur, we're going to come back to Oliver Wallstrom because he does factor back into the conversation when we get into what's going to happen during the offseason. But obviously, a lot of eyes now turning to the expansion draft and what's going to happen with the Islanders, which will be their first, I guess perhaps telltale sign of what's what's to come with some of the off-season deci- decisions there. Um, Josh Bailey, Jordan Eberle, Nick Letty, some of the names that have been looked at as possible players that will be left unprotected for by the Islanders for the expansion draft. Do, it, it, do you have an idea, of, or a thought, I should say, of who the Islanders end up losing there during the expansion draft? I mean, if, if we're to take Lou at his word today, they haven't even made the decision about who's going on that protected list. So it'd be hard to project. Uh, you know, I, I sort of feel like based on their track record uh, of with, you know, we haven't seen Lamarillo as the GM of the Islanders during an expansion draft yet. Um, but based on his track record and Barry Trotz's track record, the simplest path is really the one that they tend to choose. You know, there, there's certainly a debate to be made whether they want to leave Jordan Everly unprotected to maybe try to tempt Seattle to take him over one of their defensemen that they're going to leave unprotected. But I think it's really just basically going to come down to a choice between Nick Letty and Scott Mayfield. And I guess there's, there's an option C as I wrote about today that they could leave one of those guys unprotected and then trade some assets to Seattle to get them to not take, whether it's Letty or Mayfield that they leave unprotected. I tend to think it would be Letty just because, Mayfield's a no-brainer to be taken because his contract is so good and you know his recent performance, especially in the playoffs, was excellent. So I don't think there'd be a question. Maybe with Letty there's a question, although he might be the most talented, uh, experienced defenseman that's available on, on almost any team if he's left unprotected. And with only one year left, you add in the, the thought that if Seattle is as bad as some traditional expansion teams, not Vegas, obviously, but if they're stumble out of the gate their first year, they can just flip Letty for a couple of assets at the trade deadline. So that makes him pretty attractive if he's left unprotected. Now then, um, you know, Eberly, I suppose, is, is a question, but really leaving Eberly unprotected doesn't allow you to protect Letty unless you go, uh, you know, eight skaters and one goalie with that protection list. And I don't think that affords the Islanders a whole lot. That ends up leaving a few forwards unprotected besides Eberly that you don't want to lose. So, right. um 
I tend to think the simplest path is the one that they tend that they usually choose, and it's probably a coin flip between Letty and Mayfield. To me, Letty's the obvious guy, and if you lose him, you know, I think a lot of fans feel like he's had a subpar year and a subpar postseason, which may be true, but he's still a guy who plays 20 minutes a night, and he's still a guy who can provide some offense, especially on the power play where he led the, led the team's defenseman with what was it, 30 points in the regular season. So that's still a hole to fill. Uh, and you don't really still you still don't have a lot of a lot of cap space to do it. Um, so these next couple of weeks, whatever they decide, whatever they negotiate, you know, if there's a side deal in place where where Lou has to give up, you know, maybe one of those extra second round picks next year and a young prospect, um, you know, a Robin Sallow maybe to get Seattle to take someone that uh, that's kind of a throwaway pick, uh, kind of along the lines what the Islanders did. Uh, with the Vegas expansion draft where they gave up an awful lot and to get Seattle to take, uh, to get Vegas to take Mikhail Grabowski's contract. Um, you know, maybe there's something like that in place. And then they kind of, Lou kind of kicks it down the road a little bit to figure out who they can bring back and what the cap situation is going to be. But uh, these next couple of weeks will be interesting as far as the expansion draft goes. Yeah, for sure. This is going to be one of the more fascinating summers uh, for the Islanders, I think, just with everything going on. But to, to pivot to free agency here, one guy who I was convinced before the season started uh, was going to see his final days as an Islander was Casey Sezikis. And it just seems like throughout the year, and especially reading your pieces and whatnot, just seeing how much value this, this team puts on, on his play, and rightfully so. And it sounds to me now, and especially reading your piece today, that it looks like they're really going to give it a shot to bring him back. And you talked about maybe a more extended deal, maybe six years at about 2.5. Do you think that's something they're really going to shoot for? And does it seem like, you know, more chance than not that he's going to stick around than, than head elsewhere? You know, if he, I really feel like it's a similar situation to Matt Martin. I, you know, I, I think it's he can certainly get to the open market, and I don't think if you're in Sezikis' shoes – I can't imagine that his agent, who's Pat Morris from Newport Sports, who also coincidentally represents his two line mates on the identity line. So he was in, you know, Morris was in the same situation with Matt Martin last year. Matt Martin went to that first day of free agency last fall. He heard from a bunch of teams. And I think he just said, you know what? Uh, you know, I left this team once. I don't want to do it again. Let's see if we can work something out. And that deal stayed in the drawer pretty much the entire offseason until the Islanders had sorted out their cap situation. And then it was announced it was four years, which is probably a lot longer than you'd give Matt Martin if you were thinking objectively. Um, but 1.5 million, you know, average annual value, not so bad. You can kind of bury most of that in the minors and a bit of a drop off from what Matt had made on his previous contract. So I think Zizekas has a little more value around the league and to the Islanders being that he's a center. He's a little bit younger, kills penalties, a uh, very versatile guy, always with that high motor. So I don't think you're going to get a huge discount on the on the money, but uh, you know if it, you have to give him something, and I would assume that the the commodity for this situation is term, much like it was for Matt Martin. So Zizekas, you know, yeah, this year was the first time he played a full season in a few years, even though it was a shortened year. So that health situation is probably good for him, and it's also tough for the Islanders because I think it maybe convinces some other teams that could use a guy like Casey Zizekas that if he gets to the open market, he's worth overpaying for. So, um, you know, if he could get something like four years and four million per from a team like the Oilers or the Wild or even the Leafs, his hometown team, because they need a guy like him to become a little bit of a heavier team when they get to the postseason, um, you know, maybe that changes the, the calculus. But if he tells Lou Lamorello and tells his own agent before we get to that point, I want to stay an Islander. Let's figure it out. You know, six years, two and a half, two point seven five. It it's an overpay in terms of term, you know, he'll be, he'd be 36 when that contract ended. And I don't right. think cases Zeke is the way that he plays is going to be an effective 36 year old NHL or, um, but you have to overpay some way. And the Islanders just can't afford to overpay against the cap in terms of dollars. So that's the way you, that's the way you make it work. And, uh, you know, I, I think if it goes the way that that's, you know, that's one projection that, you know, on the first day of free agency, there's a lot of teams talking about how they'd love to sign Casey Zekas, and then it goes completely quiet because this is Lou Lamarillo's team and nobody talks about anything. Then you'll know that deal is in the drawer somewhere and it's going to come <laughs> out in late August or early September when they've sorted through all the rest of their cap situation and that Casey Zekas will be an Islander for the rest of his career. 
Arthur, obviously we haven't been in the room all season and it's tough to gauge this, but do, do you get the sense considering how close that line is and, and those guys are that Casey is, is looking at the situation that happened with Matt and how he left, like you said, he left the organization and things didn't necessarily go the way he thought it would when he went to Toronto. Does Casey take any, do you think Casey takes in any of that into consideration when he's thinking about what his next move is going to be? Yeah, I'm sure that plays into it. And, and you know, I, the the world has become such a different place in the last 15 months and it's got to be true for professional athletes. And obviously from a, from a strictly business standpoint, there's less money to go around because the cap is flat now and it'll be flat for another couple of years. Um, you know, veteran guys like Sezekis might get squeezed a little bit. It's probably more for guys that are a little bit lower on the totem pole in terms of heading into free agency. I think he could still get paid, but it's also less, you know, if, if he's getting offers that are front loaded or shorter term, um, you know, escrow is a lot higher now too. So, so you're not really getting a lot more actual dollars. And then there's the thought of picking up his family and moving somewhere else. Um, you know, I think, I think comfort, uh, and familiarity has become something that's more of a commodity now for players than it was before. I don't think a lot of agents and the players association would love to hear that because they want the most, you know, they want their, their clients and their, and their uh, players to get the most money they can out of free agency. That's just the nature of the beast. But, um, you know, in thinking this environment, if you can get security and obviously a longer term deal is, is plenty of security. Um, I think there's going to be guys that opt for that. I think we just saw it today with Ryan Nugent Hopkins taking an eight year deal at about 5 million per from the Oilers. Um, you know, he could have gotten bigger a bigger salary number than that on the open market. He's a talented guy. He's been playing in the shadow of McDavid and Dreisaitl, and they haven't really won a lot. He could have he could have rolled the dice a little bit. He wanted to stay. They made it work. So I think you're going to see a lot more of those deals as we approach free agency and maybe into free agency where guys are thinking about the unknown but, but probably preferring the known. And for a guy like Sezikis, who is, is all heart and all emotion, um, I think, the familiarity of being here and staying here might might win out in the end. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me, Arthur. And and one question I wanted to ask you, and you also touched on this a bit on your piece today, is uh, the the thought of a, a buyout. Do you think we see a buyout with the New York Islanders? Uh, you know, in this offseason, with how you know how how uh, far up they are against the cap. You know, the fact that the buyout window kind of opens so quickly, it's it might be tough to see right away. You know, I don't know if if Lou Lamorello and the rest of the front office will be able to identify so quickly that they'll be able to move on from certain guys. I mean, you know, the obvious buyout candidates to the outside world are guys like Andrew Ladd, who has two years left, but he, you know, most of his salary, most of his money is due in a signing in signing bonuses, which kind of precludes any benefit to a buyout. I think they only save maybe $600,000 or so against the cap. It's not really worth it for them. The other guys that you think of are guys like Leo Komarov, who's got a year left. Thomas Hickey, who's got a year left. Um, you know, they, they get a decent amount of savings, about one point six seven million each on those next year against the cap, and and any amount like over a million dollars is a huge help to Lou Lamarillo and what he's trying to do. Um, but I'm just not sure that they feel comfortable yet buying out guys. You know, Thomas Hickey uh, has been through so much these last couple of years: injuries, the death of his brother finally getting back into you know a couple of games but really just didn't seem like Barry Trotz was really that is really that high on him even though he was the guy that you know made the team out of camp in Trotz's first year uh in 2018-19 so uh, you know it's still tough to let go of a guy who's a good depth defenseman who's played in the NHL for a long time uh if some of these other dominoes fall like leaving Letty exposed letting him go Andy Green may decide to come back but there's still Still a pretty big hole on that left side if Letty leaves, and maybe a guy like Hickey is someone you want around just as you know, just for insurance. I don't know that the Islanders can ever pull off what they did this year with outside of Noah Dobson's eight game absence due to COVID. Nobody missed a game due to injury on the D, then or in the playoffs, which is pretty much unprecedented in the NHL. You can think back just a few years when Garcino was signing guys off the street to play D about a decade ago <laughs> to fill out the roster at the end of the season. So it just doesn't happen, but. Um, you know, Komarov is probably maybe, you know, the more likely buyout candidate, save them some money, but also, you know, it's uncle Leo. It's, uh, it's a guy the fans don't have a lot of love for, but the team certainly does. And, uh, he, you know, whatever his limited abilities are, he gives all of it. And I think in the playoffs, 
even though he was more uh, in the way than, than being productive on Matthew Barzell's line. Uh, it didn't seem to hurt Matthew Barzell too much. You had, you know, probably his best postseason as an NHLer. So, um, you know, there's a lot of decisions I think that they feel like they could make quickly in this process because the buyout window opens right after the finals end. But will they be able to make them confidently without have, without knowing what what the other moves are? I'm not so sure. For sure, Arthur. And and what you just touched on actually is what I wanted to follow up with. I mean, does it kind of maybe go beyond just insurance when it comes to the reluctance to buy a guy like Hickey or Leo out just because of how beloved these guys are in the locker room? And, and you look at the way that the Islanders have, have kept Johnny Boychuk around the team and Lamarillo was singing his praises today saying that he's just been tremendous you know, with that team and, and being involved with them even though he's not in the ice anymore. Do you think that's maybe a reason why you know, Lou takes a step back and says, you know what, we could use this money, but we could also use this guy in the room? I mean, I think at this point, the, the cap space has to take precedence. And I think even Lou understands, you know, Lou is, he, he does appreciate the specialness of this group, but also, you know, he can be a, as cold-blooded as anybody <laughs> when it comes to making, making those kinds of decisions. You don't last as long as he has without having to, you know, having a, an unbiased view of what you need to do. And, and, you know, and I think Lou, you know, Leo was on waivers a couple times this year. He wasn't a regular in the lineup before Anders Lee got hurt. So I think you have to you have to look at the bigger picture, and, and obviously it was an emotional journey, and, and he was a part of it. He didn't contribute a ton on the ice, but uh, but I'm sure behind the scenes he was as involved as anybody because he's a well liked guy, um, and Hickey is as well liked a teammate and a person I think as any Islander that's been around in the last ten years. He's he's just a salt of the earth person and, and someone that you would you would always want to be around, whether as a mentor to some of the younger guys or just a good teammate or whatever. So. There's there's definitely that part of it that you don't want to to let go of certain guys, but I think, um, you know, I I think hearing Lou today express regret yet again for trading Devon Taves last off season, which was really I think he felt the only move that he could make. Um, I, I think you you prefer not to let go of guys that are going to be, you know, good to great players in the league uh, versus guys that are beloved. Talking with Arthur Staple from The Athletic here on the line, brought to you by our friends over at Tight Technology. Arthur, I did want to circle back to Oliver Wallstrom now that we went through some of the scenarios with the expansion draft, with free agency. And how does all of this play into his future with the organization and where his role will be next year with the Islanders come the 2021-22 season? You know, I, I, I can't see a scenario where this guy isn't, uh, you know, a regular in the top six. I mean, maybe technically he'll be, a, you know, he could end up back where he, he was before if there's no changes to the top six, which is on John Gabriel Paggio's right side, but he's going to be a regular and he's going to be an impact guy. And he's going to be the guy that they look to to say our power play has been so, so to, to lousy in that range for Barry Trotz's entire coaching tenure. And this is the guy that's going to get us out of it. I think, you know, the, the steps forward that he took when he, when he got into the lineup this year, um, not just as a score. And, and I think, the way that he plays really complements the rest of this team because there's a lot of guys that are looking for quality over quantity on this roster, right? You know, I think maddening effect. Some guys who, you know, fans feel like overpass too much or are not always attacking the net. Oliver Wallstrom is only thinking about one thing and that's scoring goals. And, uh, you know, I think that was kind of the label that was hung on him early on. And I think, it's certainly true. He is an aggressive guy and he loves to score goals and he loves to shoot the puck. But I think the other parts of his game really took some people by surprise and maybe even Barry Trotz by surprise. He doesn't get panicky in his own end. You know, he makes the, he makes the simple play chipping pucks out. He uses his size really well. Um, you know, I think he's earned a lot of trust and I think, you know, whatever happened in the playoffs, maybe the, like, like we were talking about before, maybe you just, you know, fell a little bit out of, out of the trust, circle with with wallstrom because of travis ajak being in there and pajo being hurt but from day one uh, you know uh, his name is an ink in that top nine and on that first power play unit to me he's he's going to have an impact on this team next season and for a long time afterwards and you know we're gonna we're gonna end up probably asking barry at some point next season uh are you sure you you still feel good about your decision not to play this guy in in the Tampa series (laughs) because Because he is, he is an impact player, and I think he showed it this season. Arthur Staple from The Athletic. 
you've been more than generous with your, yes, with your time here you. on the line brought to you by our friends over at Tide Technology. Arthur, we want to thank you for coming on tonight and for coming on all, all across this season. We really do appreciate your time and your insight, and, and you know, it's, it's always great chatting with you. 100%. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Appreciate Thanks so much, Arthur. Take care. Arthur Staple again from The Athletic on our on-the-line segment brought to you by Thai Technology. Interesting, though, Arthur mentions the, the, you know, going back and looking back at that, the Wallstrom decision. I feel like that's going to be the Anders Lee not playing in Game 7 <laughs> in 2015 wow. against the Capitals. Wow. I think that. that's going to be... History repeating itself. I think that's going to be what, what this turns out to be. Yeah. Well, look, if it is... Which I still, I just, I still think... Anders Lee not playing in that series was not the end all be all in that game seven, but that's neither here nor there. Right. And there, yeah, but not, it, but, not to revisit that, right. but there was a lot of unknowns back then too. Right. We didn't know how good Lee was going to be. Right, back right. Then. But, but the point being is it, it kind of, it is funny how kind of history does repeat itself in, in the situation that the Islanders find themselves in. This was yes. a much bigger game seven than that capital series was. Yeah. And as much as people might be like, see Barry, it would be a good <laughs> thing if, if it does force people to ask that question, what were you thinking? If right. he does have a breakout year next year and, and he's, Honestly, if they want to get back, if they want to get to the to the finals next year, he's going to have to be that guy. He's going to have to develop into the player that everybody 100%. hopes that he's going to be. 100%. Especially with all this unknown that we started talking about with Arthur and maybe we can just kind of pick it up there and talk about, you know, just who may or may not stay. Um, I was telling you before the show, I was messing around with Cap Friendly over yes, the last are. day or so and just seeing what this team can do. To keep guys and and look, I don't, I do not think this is going to happen because there's a million ifs that would be involved. But there, there, funny enough, there is a path for them to keep almost everyone intact except for like one guy. And I guess you would just choose between Jordan Eberle or Nick Letty. Like if they can find a way to unload it all, it all look. The key is Andrew Ladd. <laughs> Something has to happen with Andrew Ladd. Whether I mean, look, Lou said he's healthy. So LTIR doesn't sound great it's right now, table. unless unless something happens over the summer. <laughs> but as of right now, the guy's healthy, so LTIR doesn't sound like an option at the moment. Maybe no. something happens in camp. I don't know. But if it if <laughs> you can't go, the, stubs his toe it, on the ice. Just saying. Look, we've seen stuff like this happen in the past. The bus ride to Bridgeport uh, for a preseason game. Any he, number uh, of he scenarios. Trips off the bus. Literally. Yeah, any number of scenarios. He, he, he chips his tooth biting into a slice of pizza Pirellis. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> anything can happen. No, no. He'd go to but, R.J. Daniels for uh, for a nice burger or something. There. That's the first place, yeah. for sure. And he wouldn't chip his tooth there. No. But anyway. Mike, he might try and trip him. He's the, yeah, definitely. <laughs> he's the key, though. Andrew Ladd is the key to this team really holding on to as many guys as possible. So, you know, maybe... You have a conversation with him. Be like, listen, man, you're not getting in there anyway. Retire, please, and we'll give you a nice, cushy job with the organization. You know, I, I know I'm going a little pie in the sky here. You are going very pie in but, the sky. But look, crazier things have happened with guys. I mean, you can't I mean, you can't not at least consider the idea that something like that can happen. I mean, not for nothing, we didn't know Johnny Boychuk was going to retire last summer. We knew he had an eye injury, but we didn't know he was going to hang up the skates. And right, but I think he was the guy we were talking about last summer in his contract. But I think that was a very different situation. I think knowing well, Johnny, the guy had a major injury, right, yeah. But knowing Johnny Boychuk's personality too, if if that if he mm-hmm. was able to play, he would be playing. There's no question about it. It wasn't as though he was talked out of playing and saying this or that or you know some right. sort of and great. But th- that was a situation where he was genuinely hurt, and it kind of yes, worked out for them. I'm, not, I'm certainly not saying he wasn't. No, no, I'm not. I'm not saying. And, he's not, but, but he was also in a position where he could still play on the Islanders NHL team. Whereas it seems like, and well, not seems like, Andrew Ladd is not going to play for the Islanders right, anymore. Exactly. Whether he's whether he's still on the books or not, he's not playing anymore. So he's got to make it. Look, he's a lot, he's got a lot of money coming to him. So when you, when you put yourself in his shoes, why would I retire? Because I'm collecting this money no matter what. So I'll ride the bus with the Bridgeport Islanders for another <laughs> year or two if I have to. Yeah. Because he knows he's buyout proof. So that's not going to happen. As Arthur, you know, put out right. there, six hundred sixty-seven. That does nothing. You actually save more if you just put him in Bridgeport right. <laughs> each year. So he's definitely not getting bought out. So he's the key. And now if, if they have to hang on to his contract, then I think because of how Lou is talking about Palmieri, I almost feel like not only is Letty out the door, but then Jordan Eberle's out the door because there's no other way to make room for Kyle Palmieri. The only way to have Palmieri and Eberle on the same team is if Andrew Ladd goes. 
Right. That's the uh, only it, way that's possible. But it, it, it's how we get to that point is going to be interesting to see. Because, yeah. No. I mean, you got to buy a Leo. You got to buy a Hickey. It's one thing you to gotta, put you gotta, into you a get, system. Yeah. You got to get a team-friendly contract from right. Pelic and Bo and, and Sorokin, and, which is possible. I mean, doing the numbers, you can get within that realm that's reasonable. I mean, look, who knows what the, what the length of these contracts are going to be, what the years are going to be. But, like, you can look at these guys and say, okay, Ryan Pollock has got $5 million for his raise. Maybe Pellick gets around $5 million. It wouldn't be out of the question to be yeah. somewhere between and four and a half to five and a half. Considering they play, they play on the same line. Their their styles are somewhat similar, and, and their roles are somewhat similar. Yeah. I guess you could and say. you can make the it, argument that Pollock puts up more points, and usually there's a lot of emphasis on that. Right, right. So I mean, that would make sense as to that. Yet using that as the litmus test for his his new contract mm-hmm. potentially. But I mean, that's not out of the question either. I mean, I think this is a group that you saw in those post game press conferences, you saw in the exit interview press conference that. Mm-hmm. This is this is a group that is confident in one another and confident that they can get back there if they are they're given that chance and it wouldn't surprise me if if Pelic or Sezikis or um, you know someone takes a little bit more of a team friendly contract knowing that it gives the team better opportunity uh, Anthony Bovilli it gives people the it gives the team the opportunity to come back with essentially the same core minus one or two guys and give them another go at that Stanley Cup final when you look at the amount of guys that they do have to. Sign whether it's Bo, Sezikis, Sorokin, Pellick. Each one of those guys says, you know what, for the greater good, I'll lop off a, a half mil for maybe what I'm worth. And then all of a sudden, you're working with two, two and a half million dollars where it, you can put that towards wherever you need to put it. Yeah. You know, and, you know, who knows whether it's 750000 to bring Andy Green back to have his <laughs> veteran presence. Right. I mean, I can't see them giving him more than league minimum at 38, 39 years old. He's, right. he's getting $2 million in bonuses already that's going against the cap. So I'd like to think if he wants to stay, he's going to come back at league minimum. But my point is, is while it is a very, you know... Slim. Slim chance. There is a path to getting a lot of these guys back, but... There's a path that we win the lottery, too. But you Yeah, know, I don't know. I think the that. odds of this are a little bit better. But, Probably. But, but yeah. But I, mean, I know. I, I'm being glib, but I know exactly what you mean. You're right. There is a chance. These, this is a group that is very unique, and I, mm-hmm. I feel like it's very different from the rest of the And you make a good league. point with how tight they are. Yeah. And, and you've seen other teams do this, where they take a little bit of a hometown discount for the greater good to keep the guys together. You know? So I don't, I don't know if it necessarily has to be this complete dismantling of this squad and, and with the way Barry and Lou were talking and with the way Arthur even said they're, they're gonna do what's the simplest thing and what's gonna keep this team together as much as possible so I think they really will try to explore as many avenues as possible but again the, the real linchpin in this is Andrew Ladd and that, yeah. that's when you're gonna see a lot of change and that's where Oliver Wallstrom is guaranteed to be a top six player because if once Everly goes welcome welcome to the top six yeah you know, I mean, there, there it is, and he's earned it too. It's not; it's just he wouldn't be out of place. Spot, yeah, but but you'd love to still have that depth. Him and Pajot on the third line. Well, you know, the other interesting thing too, in all of this, is whatever happens to Kiefer Bellows and in, in this the circumstance. He's a guy who may get his window if if all this stuff doesn't go according to this right. <laughs> very particular yeah. plan that I have. Yeah, then all of a sudden he gets a phone call and says, "Hey, look." Well, good thing you're the GM of the team. Yeah, well, it's probably better off that I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but look, you'd be on cap friendly. But that's, to figure this out, right? Well, I was. That's the thing. But and everybody was. That's what everybody. I mean, that's part of the fun, you know. But it's gonna. I said it, you know, with Arthur. It's gonna be fascinating to see how this all this stuff oh, plays out when you have an expansion draft coming in there. You know, I mean, you can you can literally protect all your quote unquote main forwards, yeah, and then just expose Letty because you, you know Arthur talks about the Letty versus Mayfield argument. I th- I mean, look, you got I, I I'm. I'm a fan of Letty, even though I wasn't too thrilled with the way he played in these playoffs, particularly in Game 7. <laughs> but I'm a fan of Nick Letty, and, and I, I do value a lot of the stuff that he brings to the table, but if it comes down to him versus Mayfield, you look at the contract, you look at the, the age. Right. I think it's just, you know... That's the upside just, is there more for Mayfield to stay than Letty at this point in their right. careers. But the funny thing is, even if they expose Letty or Eberle, there's no guarantee that Seattle's going to take him. I mean, I think, and then you may have to deal are, one of these guys. I think odds are they would still they yeah. would take Letty. Yeah. Well, we'll see because it's not that far away. I mean, what we got less than a month. Less than a month, less and you got you got the expansion draft, the entry draft, and then I think a week after that, or maybe like f- f- five days after the entry draft, you got free agency. So it's be chaotic. Yeah, we have less than a wild. month to to exhale on uh, on on this this run that they went on, and and then we're back at it, looking at you know all these uh, you know uh, ins outs and what have you, and then UBS Arena. UBS, baby. Can't wait. The Palace. Well, you have to wait till November. 
well, I, I don't have a choice. Right. But I'd rather not. Well, but but I have to, right? so I will. You have to wait. Yeah, time. and and it's a, it's it was a little disheartening to hear that that whole situation is a little fluid. There is no hard date. Well, I so mean, it I could think go a little longer than we than we thought. Maybe you're dealing with construction, and you're dealing with with the state of New York. So I don't. I think the fact that they're even on track and for November is a pretty impressive feat for how quickly that building has gone up and and all the the intricacies of that project that's been going on at Belmont Park and. Credit to the Islanders and, and to the construction people and everything that's been going on there. Obviously, the Islanders will start on the road next season, basically confirmed by Lou Lamorello, after I think Barry Trotz had mentioned it as well on Sunday in his exit interview with the media. And basically, we're going to see what we saw with the Rangers, which is they had a very, very long road trip to start their season in, what was that, 2014, 2015? I forget what You're it was. You're in the ballpark. Um, but it'll be the same situation with the Islanders. They'll have to start the trip on their start their season on the road, though. Preseason will be up in Bridgeport. So they'll be on the road a lot. They'll be living at a hotels a lot, and they'll be needing to find a way to groom on the go. And I think they there's will. no better no better product, there's no better people, there's no better company than Manscaped. Manscaped. Or Grooming on the go, whether it's up here, whether it's down there, <laughs> you don't want to be hairy where you can't. And it's a Lululemon run right. team, so you can't be hairy. You got to be right. well groomed. And now everybody's shaving their playoff beards because, unfortunately, <laughs> you know, playoffs <laughs> right. are over. Playoffs are done. So playoff yeah. beards up here are gone. Playoff beards anywhere else. Sure. They are gone. And the best products to get rid of those playoff beards now that everyone's Tell us. shaving yes. is, of course, the Lawnmower 4.0 and the weed whacker weed whacker which helps you trim up here and i know shawnee you were you tried it you we had the opportunity to get one of these and i you did got to enjoy it and you're looking sharp my friend i appreciate that you know you get to to 39 years young and you're looking uh, great i appreciate you're that i do appreciate that you don't look a day over 25 that's thank you so much you're so right but <laughs> but yeah <laughs> but yeah you know you, you start getting hairs in places you, you don't want and the weed whacker you you can bring it in the shower it's very convenient and you just take care of business and then all of a sudden you you, sh- you know you trim five years off your life because there's there's not trees sprouting out of your nose so it's great that's right it makes <laughs> makes life so much easier and of course the lawnmower 4.0 well that's just a fantastic product as well the upgraded trimmer includes multifunction on and off switch that can engage a travel lock which is great whether you're on the go traveling as a player or whether you're traveling to cover the team it also has the ability to turn on the 400k led spotlight on and off when you need trim the dark precise shave so if you want to trim in the dark you want to save energy little, at home it's a little weird but can if, trim in the dark. <laughs> if you want to do that you can trim in the dark so yeah. Go get the lawnmower 4.0. Go get the weed whacker over at manscaped.com. Use the promo code HockeyNightNY right there. Get 20% off and free shipping. That's a great deal. What a time to jump on the Manscaped bandwagon to shave up here, to shave here, to shave down there. <laughs> Hockey Night NY. Hockey Night NY is the promo code at manscaped.com. 20% you off. You should have drew up a diagram. You know, instead of just pointing at your face, you could have referenced a diagram back here. Up here. Down here. Yeah, great, great stuff, buddy. Great job. Thank you. Yeah, you can trim in the dark and in the shower at the same time. So you can really risk your life. <laughs> <laughs> I have a more, I, if that's what While you're doing, grooming. I have a lot yeah. of questions as to why you're trimming in the shower and why are you showering in the dark in the first place? That's a lot of It's none of my business, of but if that's what you want to do, you can do it. Use that's the promo code hockey.ny at manscaped.com for 20% off not only the lawnmower, not only the weed whacker, but all products that's right. on the site. And they have a lot of great products there, so check them out. Yes. So Tremendous c- sponsor of the program. We want to yes. thank them uh, for their support as well all season long since they jumped on since the playoffs started. Actually. Absolutely, and time is getting thin. So why don't we jump right in to the hero of the week? How does that sound to you? That sounds delicious because I'm starving. All right. There's the music. Ladies and gentlemen, when you hear this song, that means it's time for the hero of the week, sponsored by the Blue Line Ooh, Deli, half-price hero. And this week it is the Hockey Night in New York featuring grilled chicken, buffalo sauce, mozzarella cheese, avocado in a wrap. It is delicious. It is. Get it for half price all week starting tomorrow. That is Wednesday through next episode, which will be Monday or Tuesday. So you got about a week where we'll announce a brand new half-off hero. Stop in and mention Hockey Night in New York for half-off the Hockey Night in New York. Big thanks to Blue Line Deli and Bagels for sponsoring us. As always, we love you, Donnie. We love you, Steph. You guys are fantastic. Yes. So, Christian, it is now time to... Turn the music up as you Yeah, I accidentally did that. It's time to press (laughs) buttons. It's time to tell people 
who the hero is. And yes, it was a disappointing end to the series, to the season. But there still were heroes this week. That's so right. why don't why don't we why don't we go with it? Go ahead. My hero ahead, of the week is Sean Cuthbert. Oh, just kidding. It's not. Damn. It's not. Wait. Let's press the button. Oh, it's yeah, Anthony you're lying. It wasn't me. Damn I don't know. Sorry. Damn it. It really wasn't me. I gotcha. Anthony Obivillier for being the hero in Game 6, scoring the game-winning goal, sending Nassau Coliseum into absolute jubilation and giving the building its proper send-off because that was the final game at the Old Barn at 1255 Hempstead Turnpike in Uniondale, New York. It couldn't have had a better send-off other than getting a couple of Stanley Cup final games. Yeah, I mean, as far as send-offs went and as far as the way things could have gone, that was probably as good as it gets for Islander fans to really enjoy one last jubilant. Jubilant? 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 Jubilant. Yes. Jubilant. You got it. Moment at the Nassau Coliseum. Yes, it was. It was. I was there, and I was elated. To say the least. Yes, I saw there you were dancing of, outside the building again. There was some dancing going on. People just, you know what? Everybody's got a camera in their pocket now, and it just, yeah, you, you know, you liked it. I mean, I mean, I wasn't shying away from it. I mean, I enjoyed <laughs> it in the moment. I enjoyed that other people enjoyed it, so that's great. Yeah, well, it was a lot of fun. It was great. It was great to see the force of Game Seven, and you know, just so you guys know, he's also my hero of the week, Anthony Bavillier, because of everything Christian just said. Yep. But yeah, I mean, look, if you can't close the collie out. With a Stanley Cup win, at least you close it out with a very dramatic overtime winner from Anthony Bavillier. They went out with a win. It's a memorable one. Yep. That's something people are always going to look back on. And and the game before, Ryan Pollock with the huge save. You Two know? big moments. Two yeah. moments that'll definitely stand the test of time when it comes to at least history. At, we'll all be able to look back fondly on how the building was closed for the New York Islanders. Yes. And now the Riptide are going to take over. <laughs> The Riptide. <laughs> That's right. Indoor lacrosse is coming back to Long Island. I'm sure it'll be. Or just it might already as... be there. I don't know. Have they been playing? They were... No, no, they haven't started. <laughs> yet. Oh, okay. I have no idea. Okay, they'll be there. Why? Well, I don't know why you're making fun of the Riptide. They're very. Am I making fun of them? You seem I'm like just you're having funny. fun with them. I'm not mm, making fun of them. I don't know. I wish them all the best. Uh, look, uh, lacrosse is huge here on Long Island, so they're going to do well. I supported the Saints. By supported, I don't mean I went to games or watched. But I wanted them to do well. <laughs> I actually did go to did New York Saints games when I was a kid. Yeah. And then there's another thing that happened this playoff, yeah. the New York Saints thing and everything yeah. like that. A lot of fun. It was a fun ride. It just ended a little too short. It was a fun ride. Absolutely, Sean. But we're getting close to 9 o'clock. And, yeah. yeah. We're going to have to wrap up. We have to wrap up. I want to say it's I been mean, a lot of fun. I know we have another show coming up. Yeah. So, guys, uh, there's a lot of stuff we still could have covered. This is kind of like part one of a two-parter here. You know, we're going to come back next week. Andrew Gross is going to join us from Newsday. Tentatively. Tentatively, more than likely, we we'll have say. to say we'll hedge our bets we a little have to bit here. That. Yes, we do. But it looks so like nobody tell him we said it on the air yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just Shh. just pretend like we didn't say anything. Yeah. Shh. But uh, yeah, we're gonna con- we're gonna pick this up. We're gonna talk Looking about at you, T Boyle. Some more Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> some more of the uh, the off season stuff, and uh, you know just what's gonna happen with this team. Maybe reflect a little bit on the season more as a whole, no, not I just, just my, s- my face it's, on the it's mic fine. Now. It's fine. Nobody noticed. Nobody's paying attention to you anyway. So come back all summer. Joey Pickles, we're going to try our best. Look, when there's news, we're going to be involved. Obviously, we're going to do coverage for the expansion draft, the entry draft, free agency. And if there's any big news, we will be right here. But, you know, it may come, you know, July, August. There might be a week or two here and there off, you know. But we'll be around. Don't worry. We'll be on the Twitter and all that. So... I think we're going to end it here. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll take your questions next week. Unfortunately, we kind of got to uh, jump out of here at 9 o'clock. But, uh, folks, as always, want to thank you all for tuning in here at twitch.tv slash hockey night NY. A huge thanks to Arthur Staple of The Athletic for joining us. He gave us a fantastic spot tonight, a little extra time. That was great. And, of course, a huge thanks to our sponsors, Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Head on over for great food, great service, and great people. Check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com for their great selections and hockey-themed heroes. And, of course, a huge thanks to Thai Technology, a voiceover IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. Check them out at thaitechnology.com for all your telecom needs or give them a call at 516-856-7800 and get three free months of service. And a huge thanks to Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with promo code HockeyNightNY at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. Use promo code HockeyNightNY. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. And, of course, a huge thanks to everybody out there who's listening on the podcasts. 
And if you want to follow us on social media, follow Christian on Twitter at C underscore Arnold zero one. Follow myself at Shawnee Hockey. Follow the show at Hockey Night NY on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And of course, check out HockeyNightNY.com. You can check out our merch. Get 10% off with promo code HNINY10. What do you got? I was going to say, I just realized I was wearing a green shirt and I forgot about the green screen. That could have been really bad. It could have been, but it was a dark enough green where it wasn't a prey. It would have been hilarious, but it would have been funny to see your head just floating around. Yeah. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. Well, folks, thanks so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. We will be back next week. Thank you and have a great night. Bye. Doopy dooby doo. Doopy dooby doo. Doopy dooby dap dooby doo. Did you accidentally put Sparky there, or is he meant to be there? He's meant to be there. He's hanging out with us.